I've even said to people, and it sounds so stupid, I wanted to cut my head off to stop my head. What you witness and what, you know, is in your head, you know, and things that trigger it, and it's just like, it's forever. Sally Rogers and her partner Michael Gallagher were enjoying an evening like any other when they heard a knock at the door of their Tala home late at night. Sally answered the door, and standing before her were two men wearing hockey masks, armed with a knife and a hammer. It was on that fateful night, January the 18th, 2007, that Sally's life was turned upside down forever, when her partner Michael was brutally murdered in front of her. To this day, Sally is seeking answers as to why these men came and killed her partner for no apparent reason. She sat down with us for this podcast to speak about her quest for answers, her memories of Michael, and her hopes for justice. This is Shattered Lives, an Irish Daily Star podcast, and I'm Paul Healy. Thank you for listening. Thank you for speaking to us today, Sally. I might just first ask you about Michael, who he was and how did you meet? Well, I met Michael in 2002, early 2002, down in the local pub. Myself and a friend used to go every Sunday night. And one night I just met Michael there. Mm. And that's how the relationship started. Mm. We just seemed to get on very well. You know, I always said I had my own home, my own children, my own job, my own car. Michael was the same. So it was kind of that we wanted to be together. You know, we didn't have to be together. We, you know, we loved each other and we just did everything together. Mm. We we were interested in the same things. We just boring really to other people. Um, mm. DIY, Michael never sat easy, ever. He would have been doing two jobs up till a few months before I lost him. He would have worked during the day as property maintenance. And in the evening he was driving the 40 foot trucks and he had given up and I had given up the second job and I only by chance was in the job that Thursday night and mm. um, we went up and down to Leitrim very seldom did we go out in Dublin Michael was from Mohill in County Leitrim so we went down there mm. and um, he had just started renovating the family home that he had um, been left with his brother and sister but he had bought them out and uh, he had just started renovating it you know um, so he's had plans to to, oh, yeah. to move down there, right? Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, we were. Michael used to say to me, you will never come to Leitrim. And I say, yes, I will. I'll rent out my house yeah. and I'll go down with you, you know. And he was very excited about, you know, getting that, that far that he had started the renovations. Yeah. Um, he had great plans for, you know, that's all he talked about. And he was very good at drawing and he would draw pictures of what he wanted to do and um, he had put in for planning permission to extend the little place a bit, little bungalow it was. And I say he never sat still and this was his thing now. His project. Yeah, and yeah. he was going down to Leitrim. Yeah. You know? And how long were you together before this five, this night? Five years. Five years. Yeah. Five very good years. So if you don't mind, I, mm. I'm just going to take you to that night in January. Mm. Um, these were having dinner and mm. someone calls to the door. Someone called to the door and as I say, I thought, um, I just assumed it was the milkman because he did call late in the evening, but I don't know whether he'd ever called that late, but I wasn't conscious at the time because I'd worked um, and we had just finished our dinner and I walked to the hall door and I opened the door wide and I had my hand out to take the receipt and uh, I don't know that I was conscious that there was two people because it was very dark. But the person in front 
uh, stepped forward into the hall and as he stepped forward he brought up a hammer and um, Michael had only been telling me that day, I can't remember if it was at, when I finished work at 20 to 3 or whether it was when I came in that evening but I think it was earlier that there'd been a row two doors up and I think that's what was in my head so when they, when that person stepped forward I said you're in the wrong house you're in the wrong house but I did keep backing up because I was terrified when I saw the hammer in his hand you know and mm. um, so when I got I backed up and so I would have been at the kitchen door say and kept backing up because I was afraid to turn because mm. I thought he'd hit me mm-hmm. so when I backed up and was in the kitchen Michael must have heard me and come over to this that side of the kitchen like where we would have been sitting was the left side so I, he was on the right side and... Um, and this, this man was wearing a mask, was he? Uh, he was wearing um, like a ski mask, not a balaclava. Right. Like all I could see were the eyes. And right. I couldn't even tell you what else they'd on them. Mm. You know, dark is all I can say, is mm. dark clothing. At this stage, I had passed Michael, still going backwards, because I was saying to myself, the back door, the back door. But I was still afraid to turn in case he hit me. At this stage then, I think this is when I became aware that there was another person. And they stepped out from behind the man that had the hammer. And um, he had an umbrella, a closed umbrella. And I remember seeing the man that was dealing with me. Um, I was at the side of the kitchen and he, he, he was telling me to get down, get down. And um, so I started to get down on the floor because I thought... When he hits me with this hammer, it's going to really hurt. But I thought once he hits me once, I won't feel anything anymore. Right. He didn't actually hit me on the head. He hit me on the arms and legs. And I got down. But in the process, I heard Michael saying, and this, this really haunts me. He was saying the same. He was saying, you're in the wrong house. You're in the wrong house. But he said it with fear. And I mean, mm. Michael was a big man. Mm. But he was frightened because... as. The man with the umbrella, he, he kind of bent down a bit and took something out of the centre of the umbrella, which was a knife. And um, Out of the umbrella itself, like out of the handle of the... Well, I, yeah, know, I don't know. That I didn't see a handle. Tell, yeah. I didn't see But he just, something came out. From the umbrella itself. From right. the centre of the umbrella. Okay. And he, he was standing in front of Michael. I don't know whether he said anything to Michael. I didn't hear any. It was quiet in my house, except for the man that told me to get down, get down. I didn't hear any other voices. And Michael saying, you're in the wrong house. Mm. Because, again, we assumed it was, or, you know, that they were looking for someone else's house. Can I just ask you, did you think at this point we're being robbed or their intentions were to harm you from the second they got in the door? That they that they meant to harm you? That's no, what I they thought were. they were in the wrong house. That's yeah. you're in the wrong house. You're mm-hmm. in, and that's what Michael was saying. You're in the wrong house. Like, as in, what could they possibly want? With want us? with us because yeah. we didn't go out in the area. We didn't, you know, we kept ourselves to ourselves. Mm-hmm. I didn't see why anyone would want to come to our home mm-hmm. and do that to us. You know. Mm-hmm. So you got down on the ground. At this I got place. down on the ground, and um, I don't know whether I closed my eyes or what. I don't know. Again, I say I kept had been saying to myself, back door, back door, but I wouldn't turn my back on this man because. I just felt he'll whack me with that hammer, you know. Mm. Um, so then th- 
as far as I can remember, they just left then. I couldn't tell you if they ran, walked, what. And Michael was just lying on the ground. He, um, he would have been standing facing the kitchen door when that man was standing in front of him. When I stood up, he was lying, you know, his head was facing the kitchen door. And uh, I ran over to him, but um, I knew by the colour of him that it wasn't good. I would have been with my sister when she passed away, so I knew the colour, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so I knew my phone, this sounds silly, my phone was on the side of the kitchen where we'd been eating. But again, I didn't want to turn away from, so I didn't go over to my mobile phone. I went out to the hall and because I was shaking so much, I couldn't use the phone. So I ran out and I just screamed and screamed till my neighbour came out of the house. And it was our son actually that went into Michael. And I wouldn't go back in because I didn't want to see that again. Yeah. I'm, in one way, I'm sorry I didn't go in and just hold him. But, you know, you don't know. How long do you think you were on the ground while he was being attacked? Like we, I'd say seconds. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's very hard to... I didn't even feel them, him hitting me with the hammer. I wouldn't have said he hit me hard. Mm. I would have said he tapped me. But the bruises and the swelling, to, to me, told a different story, you know? Mm. But I didn't feel that. I think you were just in shock. You didn't realise... The what, adrenaline, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I still thought, like, they're in the wrong house. I still don't know if they were in the wrong house or the right mm. house or... I don't know. Um, um, because you had your eyes closed, you couldn't see what was going on, but you, could, you obviously could hear, I would imagine, some of what was happening to, to Michael. Yeah, as I say, all I heard was, um, you're in the wrong house. And then the second time he said it, it was with fear. And at, I had seen the man taken out wherever he took out. the mm. It was a knife because I told the guards the knife wasn't a kitchen knife. It was a homemade knife. That's the only way I can describe it. Right. More like a, a, a blunt instrument. Or so sorry, like, a sharp uh, instrument, but not quite a knife. Just not something. a shiny knife either. Yeah. To me, it was um, kind of rusty looking, you know. And um, and could you see or hear them actually carrying out the attack? No, I can't say I heard anything. I didn't hear voices from the man. Only Michael saying, you're in the wrong house. I didn't even hear Michael. Sorry, I didn't even hear Michael fall into the floor. I didn't. So I don't know whether I was still shouting or... I don't know, mm. you know? Just that he was on the ground. And then when I went over to him, again, he, I went over to him and uh, he was saying to me, I'm dying, I'm dying. So I say I ran out. In one way, I regret running out because... But in another way, I ran out because I couldn't look at it because I knew... Mm. by his face and I say my neighbours and all they were very good they rang the ambulance and everything and they took Michael to the hospital so I can only assume he hadn't passed at that stage because I don't think they'd have taken him but uh, you must have just been in a complete state of shock and total absolutely just, not only because of the fact that of what actually happened but just why like you know why us why yeah and and i suppose wow. not being used to that like then the mm. guard you know your whole life is opened up for them you know everything is opened up and mm. um, to look at all your family everything not that i didn't care about that but just everything is taken out of your hands and um you're just part of an investigation you're not a traumatized 
partner. Mm. You know, you're just part of an investigation, and that's awful because um, I don't know. I expected the guards just to come back and say it was a mistake. If I would just take you back for a moment, mm. when you've been brought out of the house, as he went to the hospital, mm. when were you told that that he that he had passed? I don't know. And like time means nothing to me. There was when we got up to the hospital, there was lots of guards there and all sorts. I know I was brought into a family room and I couldn't tell you what time they mm. um they brought me into. I had to identify Michael. Now his some of his children were there, but anyway, I think because I was living with much time, you know, they brought me in. I don't know what time that was to to say. So mm. I don't know that anyone ever told me he'd gone. I mm. can't remember that. But I know I was brought into mm. a room to identify him. When did it hit you, I suppose, that, that what had happened it was real and he really was gone? Like I don't know how long it took. I just... I thought I'd never, ever close my eyes again. Like, for the horror that... No, it's very hard to explain to someone to what you've witnessed and you think you will never function again. Never, because it's just just horrific Like to witness someone do that to another person. You know, to be with someone that you love and they, someone to come into your home for... Like, I've always said, no one has any reason to murder someone. Mm-hmm. If you do wrong, we live in a society that the law, the law makers mm. make the decision. So, you know, you go to the guards, hopefully it goes to court, hopefully you have no right to take the law into your own hands. So if Michael did anything wrong, why could someone not have done that way, you know? That's mm. the, where my kind of question is going to yeah. go next. You know, obviously in the, in the days and weeks and months that pass, you find yourself going more and more, how did this happen? Why did this happen? Um, did and, I know Michael? And did, yeah, I suppose, yeah, did, I mean, did, did you know Michael? Did you know, did he have, did he have enemies? I don't know. Mm. The guards would say they found nothing. He wasn't involved in drugs, money laundering, anything. See, they, as I said, I knew this much about Michael. The guards know this much about Michael. Yeah, a lot more. Yeah. Because they would have gone everywhere, mm. you know. I don't know. It killed me to think that. I didn't know something, you know, mm-hmm. that if Michael was doing something wrong and I knew I could have made the decision whether to be with him or not. But I didn't know. And I don't know. And the guards say they have nothing. So I don't know. Well, it is possible it still was. I, I mean, a mistaken identity mm-hmm. situation where they... Because clearly they were targeting him for for whatever reason, but perhaps yeah. they thought he was somebody else. You know, is, is, I mean, mm-hmm. that must be the, the leading theory in your mind for some time, was it, that this had yeah. to be a mistake? It, it, it couldn't have been. Yeah, because I don't know anything, you know, why. Now, the mm. guards would say no. Well, some would say no, because um, if they did make a mistake and come to our house, the guards feel they'd have found out who they should have gone to or yeah. they would have got that person at another stage. I'm at a loss. I am at a loss. That just mm. goes over in my head. Like, why? Well, five years with somebody, I mean, you obviously mm. knew each other very, very well. Yeah. We just went up and down to Leitrim. Mm-hmm. If Michael's phone rang and he was driving, he'd say, will you answer that? If it rang and he was upstairs or something, and I'd say, your phone rang, why didn't you answer? Mm-hmm. He didn't. He, if a text came through, if he was driving again, he'd say, will you see who that is? To me, he was never hiding anything from me. You know, there was no secrets. There was no 
going out and not coming in. He didn't even go out drinking or anything. He didn't. He was a workaholic. Anyone that knows him will tell you that. He'd come in from walking in the daytime. He'd say, I'm just having 10 minutes love. And he'd sit on the sofa. He could close his eyes for 10 minutes and get up and be up in, ten, up in the haulage place at 5 o'clock. Mm. He could sleep for 10 minutes and that would keep him going till he finished. Yeah. <laughs> he was a workaholic. And then Leitrim, as I say, was just, that's where he wanted to be. That was his plan. But to carry out that, that type of murder, I mean, it's it's not like a hitman coming in with a pistol. It it's, no. it was a particularly brutal, how many, he was stabbed quite a I've few. Never, yeah, yeah, I never, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I'm only mentioning the, no, the gravity of it yeah. because oh. it sounds very personal, you know. It sounds that's, very... Yeah. It's a it's a crime of passion in a way. It's a, it's it's. Mm. I mean, there's a lot of hatred behind it. You know. Well, what? yeah, I I you know as the years went on, it, when the guard said that to me, like I wouldn't have thought of that, but they maintain yeah because it was so they had to get so close to him to do what they did mm. and to me, mm. um, that, I, over the years I've always felt that they were sent to the house that wasn't them with the grudge. And right. I don't know why I'm saying that. I that's just what I felt. They were hired, like that's the way I felt. Mm. But it was a personal thing. Whoever sent them, it was personal. And uh, which is, as I say, because the gravity of it, the oh, the, absolutely. The, the way in that which it was done. That, yeah. I, I mean, it was. I felt if there was a row, if you say I did something on you and you came up to my house, you'd be shouting at me and saying you crashed yeah. into my car. You yeah. There would be a row. You know, and then it could end up being something worse. You hear the things happening. That wasn't. They just came in, did what they had to do. And left. Mm. So, like, to me, that person hadn't got a personal grudge. Unless he said something to Michael. Mm-hmm. I didn't hear anything. So, to me, I, I don't know why I felt they were sent. You just feel it. Mm. 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 And I don't know why they waited for me to be there. I know, as I said, I... I don't know if Michael did anything. To me, the man I knew didn't. But I know I didn't do anything on anybody. Well, I, yeah, obviously, they had no intention of harming you. But what they left me with, you have no idea. Yeah. I mean, I've even said to people, and it sounds so stupid, I wanted to cut my head off to stop my head. What you witness and what, you know, is in your head, you know, and things that trigger it. And it's just like, it's forever. You know, you learn to live alongside it. And if someone asks me a question, I can answer them about But when I go in, in depth about it now, it's just, it's just awful. They didn't care that they left me with that either, you know? Like, I say, but no one has the right to take anyone's life, nobody. Mm. Is it just, it's burnt in the back of your brain, is it? Just oh, that, it's always there. Yeah. It's always, you just learn to carry on because my sister said, you could lie on the floor, you know, and you want to give up, you really do. But your heart keeps beating, so you just get up and get on with it. And I think because I wanted to fight for him, for Michael, you yeah. know, for to find out what happened, mm. I think that kept me going. And and where is it now with the guards? I mean, it's 2007, it's a long time ago. I mean, yeah, is it still considered an open case? I mean, have they come to you in recent times and said, look, we're, this is where we are with the investigation? Or are no. you in the dark? Um, there's no investigation at the moment. I usually go every year, you know, I'll ring them around the anniversary and I'll ask for a meeting, but it's the same answers every time. They won't open it again. It's not closed, but they won't look into it again. 
unless someone comes with information. And I think the last time I spoke to him, it wouldn't be like you ringing up and saying, oh, well, on that night, such and such. It'll be if someone goes in and gives a statement, you know, that type of information. That's mm. what I got from it the last time. Mm. That's, there's nobody looking at it. Which must be very, very frustrating. Very, absolutely. And I understand resources and all, but when it's, you know, when it's affecting your life, mm. you know, you just want someone to come forward. And mm. like what happens after that? I've got to the stage, like in the early days, obviously you want someone caught and go to court and all. But now I, I suppose I just want to know why. Like why? Because nothing will bring Michael back. Yeah, is it even about getting justice so much as it's just trying it to find never, out why? There's never justice. I, I'm in a group, I've been in a group called Advic and other groups and um, there's not really justice. Like you never guess justice as such, you know, mm. like this, if someone does go to prison, then there's parole and then there's, you know, they get days out or they get. So it's it's an ongoing if someone does go to prison. I've learned that, you know, but I don't know. Not that. Maybe lots of people don't know why. I definitely don't know why. You you mentioned you know, just thinking of going back a little bit. You, mm. me, you you mentioned at the beginning, you know how they how the guards pour through your whole life mm. and they look at everything and they look at everyone. You know, did it come to a point where you felt they're looking at me now and they're thinking maybe I have something to do with this? Oh yeah, yeah. That um initially I was very upset over that. You know, mm. I mean devastated that anyone would think that I could do something like that. You know, mm-hmm. um, but then as time went on, I realized, well, they start at the they start in the next and walk out. So I had to accept that then. But that's mm. yeah. But on the beginning, no, that was very hard. And were they bringing you in for interview and really grilling you or? Um, on this that happened on the Thursday night on the Saturday, they eventually brought me up and told my family I'd be a couple of hours. I think I was there about six or seven. They even came up looking for me like, you know, where was I? Um, asking all the questions and I mean I have nothing to hide so I just mm. but it, it is very hard to have to talk about it like when you're literally I mean I hadn't even got a home then at mm. that stage because I couldn't go back to the house I think it was eight days I didn't go back for nine months now I told the guards they could have the house it took me nine months to go back but um so I, from oh so you went back after nine months mm. you, but for a long time you didn't step foot in it I wouldn't yeah, go in, no, yeah. no, very hard to go in. But then I realised the house did nothing on me. I was mm-hmm. very happy with Michael in it, so, you know, that's, I overcame that. But, no, it's just, yeah, in being um, asked questions, taking a statement and all, um, that was that was very hard because I'm still, mm-hmm. still trauma. I mean, you're always traumatised after something like that, but, I mean, that was two days later. And then I was staying in my daughter's house and... The detectives would pull up in the car and it sounds silly, but the detectives would pull up in the car and my whole body would just go into, I'd be like, I couldn't eat or anything. I didn't eat or anything. I would just shake. I just, I didn't, I suppose at the time I didn't feel they were there to help me. I didn't matter. I was just a means to an end, I suppose, you know, information. And if they had, you know, if they, I assume they were interviewing other people and if they said anything, they'd come to me and ask me, you know, mm-hmm. and I just found it. But it must it must have been hard for you at that point to to feel in any way maybe disbelieved because you you were the only person who witnessed the whole thing. I was the only person in the house, yeah. You know, and to have anybody look at you and think maybe oh, even the possibility that 
the story isn't true, mm. you know, and she's not telling the full truth and all that type of stuff. That must be very hard that, yeah. to deal with somebody not believing you. Definitely. Oh, yeah. It was because, I'd say, we were just, you know, I remember saying to one of the guards, the liaison officer was leaving my daughter's house one evening and I said, look, I said, I was just boring old Sally and I was happy being that. You know, we just went to, we'd spend all day in a DIY place out in Liffey Valley. We'd stop and have a cup of tea and a coffee and then start again, walking around, looking at all the stuff we could buy. And that was how boring Michael would be raging. I said that, but that's, that's mm. what it was. You know, mm. we were happy doing Living that. In your normal life, yeah. And then yeah, and, and Michael was a work, workaholic and mm. I worked as much as I could, so... You know, here we are now, twenty twenty one. No developments. I mean, no. um, all you can do is is continue to keep speaking out like this. But it must be it must be hard, like uh, you know, to have to keep telling the story yeah. again and again. But why why is it important to you that you have to keep telling the story? Um, because I, I want justice for Michael and myself. Mm. I want to know why, like that they took. I always say they took two people's lives that night. Like they took Michael's, but they also took the life I had and the future I was going to have with Michael. My peace of mind, like your brain is never the same again, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so all that, but I will keep trying, you know. Um, all I can do is ring the guards every year and repeat myself and they repeat them themselves. And the same with the papers, hopefully that they'll take. In the early days, I would have got posters and that and put them in some of the shops but I just found it so traumatic I mm-hmm. I stopped doing that after a few years you know sometimes I feel like am I wasting my time am I ever going to get answers but I then I say I can't feel like this like a girl in work just said to me today this time might be the time so you can't give up because I'm afraid if I give up asking it might be the very time that someone will open up well as frustrating as it is to, to constantly have to keep banging your head against the wall like that there are people out there that know what happened yeah at least and two and I'd say more but I still think as I say and I could be totally wrong that they were sent because mm-hmm. it wasn't a row what would be if any of them were to hear this people involved in, in Michael's killing what would be your message just to please come forward and um, say why mm-hmm. if nothing else say why that's all I can say because the justice system you know that's out of my hands mm. and nothing nothing will bring Michael back mm. so my question for the last post nearly 15 years has been why and not that there should ever be any reason to murder somebody but no. but you know would you be concerned about discovering something about Michael you didn't know I would be I'd be devastated because also I feel people judge you also and think that you know oh she must have known but I honestly hand on heart no Mm. I, there was never any doubt in my mind there's nothing I couldn't even look back on and say remember this oh I remember mm. nothing there's no strange behaviour of any kind no no I say he'd give me his phone to answer and there was never any secrecy that I mm. could say and just mm. I know they can't speak for themselves but Michael has has family as well uh, and, and I would imagine they're just as concerned about as you are about getting justice or answers even would I be right or wrong I don't know <laughs> yeah okay. I assume I'm going to say I assume because yeah. I don't know I have no contact with anybody I'm on my own with this and um, I don't know whether they've ever 
offered or whether they ring, you know, like myself or I don't know. Mm-hmm. And um, I can't allow myself get worrying about any of that or thinking about and that. I can only do what I can do. And I suppose as a victim myself, that's also where I'm because no matter what, God forbid, if anything happens, your loved one, hearing about it is different than being there. Mm-hmm. And I remember Margaret Cassidy said that once day to an interview. I think she knew someone who was murdered. When she went, she realised the thing and the parents wanted to see her. And uh, she advised them not to because better to remember them as they were because I don't know what condition the, the person was in. But mm-hmm. um, like to be there, no matter what someone tells you about, oh, they did this, they did that. It's much worse when you're there and you actually see it. Mm-hmm. You know, I still see Michael lying there and the pool of blood around him. You know, and as I say, you have to see that. You know, it's different when you're there than someone telling you. So, but I I don't know what they do. I don't involve myself in any of that. Mm. That's what they want to do with their life. Mm. You know, and obviously the guards wouldn't tell me if anyone was ringing them. You know, mm. asking either. So I just do my own thing. Have you Have you ever had your suspicions as to people being involved or potentially being involved? No, I don't, no, not really. Mm. I suppose there would have been things that came into my mind, like people he might have worked with or like he drove those big 40-foot trucks. I was saying, was mm. there something on one of them that shouldn't have been on it? He wouldn't know what was in them because he was telling me one night the guard stopped him and asked him to open the back of the truck. He said no. Because yeah. all Michael did, you know, truck drivers, they hitch it, drive it to the yeah. port, drop it, they have no That's access it. to the back of it. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't open it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you wonder things like that. Mm-hmm. Did he upset someone in that way? I don't know. It's just, it's a mystery. That must be, I mean, that must be terribly tormenting, just constantly racking your brain as to what, is there something I missed? There's, there's mm. something And it's, there. as you say, it's frightening as well, because mm-hmm. as I say, someone could turn around and say, well, this about, and I'm all these years, I was written five years, you know, that maybe I didn't know him at all. Like, that is frightening. But I still, you know, say nobody has the right to take someone's life. If Michael did wrong, you go to the guards, you get them brought to court, you, you know, you shame them, I suppose. You know, that's not what you do to somebody. Mm. No, to be able to do that to someone. No, mm. you're not a Christian. You're, you're not a person with values mm. or anything, you know. Um, that you could literally do that to some another human being, mm. you know. And it, to me, if you, you know, you or you did something wrong on me, would it not be better to go to the guards and get you charged and brought to court? Like the shame of that, would that not be worse? Because I feel if Michael did something wrong on someone, they're still left with that. I feel now. This is only thinking over the years that if someone did something wrong on me. I'd rather see them standing in a court of law and it being said to them. It would give you more, you know, well, I did what I could, but, you know, to kill someone, that's, no. no. I'm just thinking about the descriptions of the of the two mm. men that did this, you know, the, the ski masks mm. and the makeshift sort of kind of weapon, you mm. know, like, I don't want to say, I don't want to use the word amateur, but it's it's like, 
it it doesn't sound like a professional hit job you know it nearly sounds like like an amateur job like if even i i'm you know have started yeah. entered your mind as to it's just the way that it was done it was was so strange you know the, well about the knife i often wondered um you know do you hear of people making knives in prison that over the years i've thought of that like if why was it a made knife now they've never found a knife when you, when you say a maiden knife, I don't know if you're able to give a kind of a better yeah, description. Of, I gave a description at the time now, but yeah. you asked me, I'm afraid that I, my brain will try and conjure up something it else. Did it just look old, was it? Or? Uh, yeah, it was kind of, it wasn't like a, it wasn't a kitchen knife. That's all I can say to you. It wasn't, it was a maid knife. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I'll stick with that because yeah, that's what... You can remember. Well, on the can, knife. You yeah, but you know what I mean? That's, yeah, yeah. you know, if I try to make it what it was like, I'm afraid I'll... Deviate from yeah what it was yeah and and the, they were in the in terms of their stature like were, mm. were they quite tall quite one large? was taller the one that hit me was taller and then the one that stood by Michael was a bit smaller mm. than Michael so Michael was five ten so I'd say they could have been five nine ish you know they were mm. a bit smaller but I as I mm. say I wasn't and I know they were in mass so it's hard to tell yeah. but did they seem young or older they weren't old. Mm. You know, to me, they were, well, see, the, the, the one with the hammer, I'd say, was canish, slim. And I'm going to say they were taller than me. Now I'm 5'8", so I'm going to say he was taller than me, I think. Mm. Um, well, he wasn't smaller than me because I didn't, you know, I think I didn't notice if he was smaller. Mm. So to me, he was taller than me. And when he was saying get down, he was Dublin, definitely. Dublin, Dublin accent. Yeah, it wasn't a foreign accent or... Yeah, it was Dublin. Our country. No. And the other person I didn't hear speak at all. I don't know whether he spoke to Michael. I just, throughout mm. our conversation here, I've not, kind of, in the corner of my eye, noticed mm. the picture of Michael over That's there. Michael, yeah. Um, I've taken a lot of them down and all because I just felt um, I would have had loads around. I just thought, mm. like, sometimes it breaks your heart. Like, people used to say to me, remember the good times. That's nearly worse or as bad as yeah. the bad times because... Yeah. I remember all the good times and it makes me so sad because I remember when I met him first and he was saying to me something like, um, I'll show you a great time, you know, and he did, you know, we went places and we did things and he made me laugh like he was always kind of jolly. He was pleasant, you know, Um, he used to slag my Dublin accent and, you know, and I'd slag his country accent and but that we did. So in some ways, you know, not looking at the the photos it's nearly you know now mm. like before I would have had them everywhere but I just found after a while it just gets now I'm talking about years and mm. um, I've only kept a few I still have them all but I've only kept a couple out you know how how do you like to remember them what's any memories come to mind that happy memories you know yeah just uh you know that he he could be very funny you know I'm trying to think of some of the things but he, he was you know and uh was always pleasant and anyone I would have met down in Mohill or anything always seemed to have time for him. You know, he seemed to be light and um, he would have worked in Dublin here for different people in shops and that and like they were devastated when they heard about him and one of them spoke at his funeral and um, he said like always pleasant, always trustworthy, always, you know, Michael had a great sense of that people would like him and would trust him and he, you know, that meant a lot to him. You know, that people would trust him. No, I think even my mummy said, you know, when the guards interviewed her, God rest her, um, even she said I was a lot more confident and happier since I met Michael. 
like other people could see it in me too, you know? Yeah. And he was very happy. I used to say to him, oh, you're my old pal. And he'd say, less of the old now. But you're my pal too. I love you. I don't know what I'd do without you. So I think that's the way we just felt about each other, you know? Yeah. Didn't let me call him out. But that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's... We just muddled along, you know? Mm. I, I know we kind of touched on it already, but it might yeah. be a nice place to kind of finish it just in terms of... What what would it mean for you to just to finally have all the answers, and to have the perpetrators even mm. brought to some form of justice? It mean a lot, yeah. Um, you know the fact that I don't know the answer is hard because, as I say, something might come out that I don't like. But I think then maybe I can say, well, right, that's it. But not knowing, I can't rest because I'll keep trying and trying. You know, I've even said to my kids, if that happens to me, now you have to keep tipping away at it, you know, mm. to find out why. And see, I can't say that they'd be brought to justice because there is no, that's the way I feel in the early days. Yeah, but now I realise, no. I think it's because nothing will bring him back. Nothing. But just answers. Yeah. Answers, answers. is what you want. Yes. Yeah. That's all I want is answers okay. to know why, you know, and what happens after that is, I can't let that eat me up and, you know, wanting justice and, and fighting. Because I've, you know, over the years I've seen people and they'll be fighting and fighting. But it doesn't get you anywhere. It's just I'm coming from a different, you know, a lot of people, if they lose someone, they find out quickly. Mm. And then there's a process happening. So all those years are going with all that. Mm. Mine is kind of um, the other way, you know, I'm maybe Stuff 15 years. Yeah. Mm. So all I want to know is why. Why? And would you have any message to the guards that, you know, not to, to give up on this, that, that you know, yeah, well, I, please investigate I would, it? Yeah, I would hope that they wouldn't give up on it. Um, they'll say they aren't, but um, they're waiting for someone to knock on the door. So I don't know. You know, they say they've looked at the case over and over again. Um, they would have done a, another, someone comes in and looks at it, I forget who you call them. And... Um, They'll go through it in case, you know, when, when they're doing the investigation, they could miss something mm. and they found nothing. So hopefully maybe someone out there with a conscience, somebody but that, that's what even you somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody, but any little yeah. piece of information now is what's needed. Yeah, because more than two people know, more than two. Even if if those two people came to the house with a grudge, they didn't go off and not tell anyone. Mm. Somebody else knows. Mm. somebody and maybe things have changed the guards say maybe things have changed in their lives and they'll come forward now to to talk you know people are in somewhere in their lives at the time they might have been on time bill and they shouldn't have been or you know and now all these years later for whatever reason they were there it doesn't matter anymore and they can talk so there may be someone out there that witnessed something that night or so please come forward, is that true? Please, absolutely, please. That's all I've asked for for the last if someone give information to the guards that they can look at the case again. Okay. You know. Thanks for speaking to us, Sally. Uh, and I really hope that you get those answers soon. And uh, you know, I hope that anybody listening to this, you know, that it that it makes some difference. So thanks. Thank you. <laughs>